Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. The OPP have a new protocol when it comes to uh, individuals that they encounter and, uh, I guess, charge. They're not going to release the gender of said individuals. Matter of fact, they're just going to refer to them as individuals or that person. So why the change? Let's find out now. Joining us on the line is Sergeant Carol Dion, Staff Sergeant with Provincial Media Relations Coordinator of the Ontario Provincial Police. Ms. Dion, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Explain to me, then, uh, why this change? Why suddenly uh, there's no gender specificity? Well, um, this has been in practice for quite a few months, um, and it was a result of our uh, viewing our policies and procedures, our standard operating procedures, um, specific about charged person. Um, and as a result of that, we realized that we are not required by law to release this information. And what we're required to release, according to the Police Services Act, is the name, the city of residence, the age, the charges, um, as well as the court uh, date and location. Um, so as a result of that, we amended our policy to remove that gender piece and uh, focus specifically on the charged person. Uh, being uh, John Doe, Jane Doe, or or even if they have two first names that, uh, you know, it's hard to figure out if it's a male or a female, and, and remove that gender option. I see. So uh, was this in any way, this decision, influenced by the Ontario Human Rights Code? Um, it is influenced by uh, a few things, but mainly... But it is not required by law under the Police Services Act. It was influenced by looking into our Freedom of Information and FIPA that there was no provision under any of the exclusions to provide that information. It was as a result also of uh, recent human rights tribunals, of recent developments and um, when you're applying for positions or employment status, uh, you don't need to uh, identify as a male or female. Um, it goes further with our driver's license as well, where you have the option of um, identifying as X. Um, so for those reasons, um, you know, just we feel we're catching up with the times, um, just not releasing the gender and just keeping focused on the charged person. So it's a progressive protocol is what you've enacted here. Well, it sounds like a progressive um, action. Uh, and like I say, we feel that we were behind some of the times because of all those changes already in existence. And when we looked at our Police Services Act, so we made that amendment, and we've been doing that for quite a few months. Um, but, yeah, we're realizing today that um, it, it, there's a perception that, yeah, we're being progressive. Well. What about keeping, though, gender-specific statistics? Uh, is that going to happen, or is that out the window now, too? No, we still collect data. Uh, you know, data is still going to be collected when available. So when we're, we're collecting a per-charge person, um, but then there, as I mentioned, when you have uh, somebody that identifies as gender X, then now we have another category that we'll likely start seeing when we look at um, the demographics and the data that we're collecting. All right, but if they identify as gender X, which I guess is relatively nondescript, uh, 
based on, you know, I mean, historically there were the, the two genders mm-hmm. that were identified, male, female, now it's X. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you put that down in your data bank? Uh, it'll be, it'll have, it'll have to be um, accounted accordingly. You know, um, we can't invent or we can't say, well, they appear to me as a, a female uh, if they identify as gender X or maybe they identify as a male, but um, they may appear to us as a female or vice versa. Uh, it's not for us to decide what gender they are. Um, and so the category uh, is in existence and the data will be collected uh, accordingly. I see. So uh, it would be uh, they identify as gender X. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and that will be for internal use only. I guess it's in that gray box that uh, a lot of us don't touch in any kind of official forms that say for office use only. Uh, I anticipate, you know, I haven't looked into it further uh, than that um, to see how we compile the data for gender X at this time. Mm. Uh, definitely something I need to, to follow up with our statisticians uh, in the organization. Uh, but we do have, when we look at our annual report where we have male, female, and unspecified, that is already in existence when we provide um, some of the data. So I anticipate it's collected already. By the way, uh, has any of this surfaced as an issue to this point? I mean, I'm just wondering, are you being sort of proactive or preemptive, or has this ever become a contentious issue, maybe even leading to legal liability? Um, Not that I'm aware of. I'm not aware of any legal liability. Um, As I mentioned, uh, we thought we were catching up with the times of making sure that uh, our policies and procedures were up to date. Um, And the reason why we do it on a yearly basis, uh, review them, make sure we're accurate and we're up to time. Um, It sounds like this is something new. Um, We've been doing it for some time now, but... uh, I think it's it speaks to also of uh, being inclusive. We continuously talk about discrimination, diversity, inclusion, um, but yeah, we continuing we continue to put people in boxes, you know, female, male, um, and they need to be identified as such. Um, removing that, I think, puts us in a position where we're more inclusive. All right. Well, uh, I guess this is the first police force in the province. If correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, that is doing this by way of, you know, advancing this matter to collude with the Ontario Human Rights Code, which makes gender identity uh, certainly a protected uh, part of the code. Do you know of any other police forces that's doing this? I'm not aware, no, and and I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of conversations um, as a result of uh, the media coverage today with my my, uh, colleagues from the different policing services. Um, So it'll be interesting to find out if anybody else is doing that. It will indeed. Well, uh, that's an interesting development, and I appreciate you coming on and explaining uh, what the position is of the Ontario Provincial Police. Thank you so much, Sergeant. You're welcome, John. All right. Sergeant Carol Dion, Staff Sergeant and Provincial Media Relations Coordinator with the OPP. Well, now you know, no gender identity. So they don't want to be specific is the point. And uh, whether or not that becomes, I don't see it being problematic. It's just funny that, uh, you know, the police force takes it upon itself that they want to be progressive, certainly, and uh, maybe, who knows, uh, if they're found in contravention of the Ontario Human Rights Code by putting down male when the individual actually identifies as female, they mean that individual who has been charged may feel that this is, you know, a violation of their rights. That's the point. So they're protecting themselves legally as much as anything. Now you know.
Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 